Today on the Matt Walsh Show, Hillary Clinton takes a page from primitive tribal shamans by blaming the weather on her political opponents. We've gotten used to this kind of superstitious thinking from the left, and it's only getting more deranged as time goes on. Also, historic UFO hearings in D.C. This is fascinating stuff, and if you don't find it fascinating, then you're wrong. And Mitch McConnell has some kind of health episode during a press conference. This is happening more and more often since our country is being led by dinosaurs. And our daily cancellation, a tribute to a brave Democratic politician who protested a non-existent law with a hunger strike that lasted many, many, many minutes. We'll talk about that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. We're days away from the Durban Accords, the greatest threat to the U.S. dollar's global dominance in the past 80 years. On August 22nd, BRICS nations are expected to announce the launch of a new international super currency fully backed by gold or other commodities. This is part of their long-term plan to supplant America and the dollar as cornerstones of the global financial system. You can protect your IRA or 401k from the fallout of this landmark announcement by diversifying with gold from Birch Gold. Historically, gold has been a safe haven in times of high uncertainty which is right now. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Well, you can protect your savings with gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. You can find out why by texting Walsh to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. If a central bank digital currency becomes a reality, it'll be nice to have some gold to depend on. Again, text Walsh to 989898. Over the last century, archaeologists in China uncovered tens of thousands of ancient oracle bones, which are the bones of animals that carry some kind of inscription. The discoveries prove that during the Shang Dynasty in ancient China, humans and animals were often sacrificed in order to change the weather. One inscription on an oracle bone read simply, Should a man be burnt at the stakes? Will rain follow? Most of these victims, anthropologists noted, were slaves, prisoners of war, beggars, cripples, the Chinese believed that by killing off these undesirables, they'd cause it to rain. And in that sense, the ancient Chinese had a lot in common with uh, many other uh, ancient cultures, including the Aztecs, who fought wars to secure new victims for their human sacrifices. And those sacrifices included the ritual killing of children on top of a mountain uh, or a pyramid to honor Tlaloc, their god of rainfall. Thousands of years later, we have inventions like meteorology and the internet. So you might think that ritual sacrifices would have stopped, but in many parts of the world, they've persisted. In 2007, for example, Nepal's state-run airline was having a lot of issues with one of their Boeing aircraft, and their solution at the time was to sacrifice two goats in front of the plane to appease the sky god and ensure that the plane had safe passage. Executives were thrilled when the plane managed to take off and land, so I guess it worked. At the time, the story was mostly met with amusement in this country. It was unthinkable for anything like that to happen here, we thought. Sure, we have no room to make fun of them. I mean, uh, they might sacrifice a goat outside of the plane, but we allow people to bring goats and other animals onto the planes as emotional support animals. As a passenger, I would prefer the sacrifice strategy personally. But at any rate, people clicked on the story from Nepal, uh, maybe learned something you know, about customs there, had a good chuckle, and then went about their day. In retrospect, that was a mistake because as it turns out, we were never that far away from hearing our own politicians claim that they too have the power to change the weather with their own offerings to the sky god. Somehow that line has officially been crossed in this country. And recently, a couple days ago, Hillary Clinton posted a tweet blaming Donald Trump supporters for the fact that the temperature has gone up this summer. Here it is, quote, hot enough for you? Thank a MAGA Republican, or better yet, vote them out of office. 
Now, you might recall that MAGA Republicans is an epithet that uh, appeared out of nowhere about a year ago when Democratic Party consultants made it up. And already these MAGA Republicans are affecting the weather simply by existing. How are they doing that? One of the articles that Hillary Clinton cites in her tweet was published in Forbes, and uh, the piece reported that, quote, July 4th was Earth's hottest day in over 100,000 years. Now, that's, that's quite a claim since we've only been able to track temperatures for the past 140 years. According to NASA, quote, there are too few data before 1880 for scientists to estimate average temperatures for the entire planet. That's what NASA says. And even for the past 140 years, it seems highly dubious to assume that the records are accurate enough to confidently declare that we experienced the hottest day in a century, uh, really a century and a half this month. Does anyone think that we actually have a precisely accurate idea of what the temperature was everywhere on the planet on, say, I don't know, August 11th, 1893? Much less do we have, uh, do we know the global temperature on August 11th, 1893 B.C.? So suffice it to say, the Forbes piece is not especially strong evidence to support the idea that uh, Trump voters are somehow making it hot during the summer. So they have not even come close to proving that we've had the hottest day in 140 years, much less 100,000 years. Um, and so they, they also have not proven that, uh, that this weather is being caused by MAGA Republicans. So there are two things that need to be proved here, and they've done none of that. So let's take stock of what's happening. This is the kind of thing we often laugh about and then just kind of move on from, but we should really spend some time thinking about this. One of the most prominent Democrats in the country, a former Secretary of State, former presidential candidate, just sincerely blamed her political opponents for making it hot outside. And she did it on the basis of no evidence whatsoever. In fact, she lied about what little evidence she did present. Now, on some level, we're used to the climate change hysteria and the constant claims that the world is ending, so this might not seem like anything new. But what makes this so especially insane is that she's claiming that not only does human activity change the weather, but that a relatively small group of humans can bring about substantial changes in the weather in the span of just a few years. So this is not just uh, human activity has caused global temperatures to rise by two degrees in 150 years or, or whatever. You know, This is... We're having a devastating heat wave because of what my political opponents did last Tuesday. We are in full-on primitive superstition territory here. Blaming your enemies for a heat wave is the kind of thing that you'd expect to hear from a, a tribal chieftain in a loincloth in the Amazon somewhere. Though I think even most of them are too advanced at this point to believe in that sort of thing. But that's the level of science that senior Democrats are now pushing. What comes next? In every other culture that's gone down this path, ritual sacrifice is what comes next. Hillary Clinton's already identified the problem. It's predominantly middle-class Americans who voted the wrong way in the last election. They held too many cookouts. They drove trucks that were too big. Therefore, they're making it hot outside, and they need to pay. That's what she believes. How long before Hillary suggests building a giant pyramid and cutting the heart out of a middle-aged white guy in a red hat in order to appease Mother, Mother Earth? Or maybe just for fun. What's really alarming is that it's not just Hillary Clinton who thinks this way. The rest of the party and the media has been building to this conclusion for a long time. They're not just blaming human activity for the weather. They're blaming very recent and isolated human activity for the weather. This kind of thinking took off sometime around 2018 when the Climate Institute warned that people are changing the weather currently, actively, 
just by running their air conditioning units. The analysts determined that, quote, using and producing air conditioning equipment exacerbates climate change. And they proposed that in lieu of using air conditioning, you know, people wear short sleeves and rely on blinds and curtains more often. Otherwise, they said the climate will change. And of course, the climate did change because climates always change because that's what climates do. The same year, the Washington Post ran an op-ed entitled, Another Hurricane is About to Batter Our Coast. Trump is Complicit. Complicit in a hurricane, which is, which is like accusing someone of being complicit in a solar eclipse. So it took just a year after he came into office for the Washington Post to blame Trump for bad weather. Then two months before the last presidential election, as wildfires spread across California, Joe Biden endorsed that position as totally deranged as it is. Uh, watch. The Defense Department reported that climate change is a direct threat to more than two thirds of the military's operationally critical installations. That's what the military warned him. And this could well be, this well could be a conservative estimate. Donald Trump's climate denial may not have caused these fires and record floods and record hurricanes. But if he gets a second term, these hellish events will continue to become more common, more devastating, and more deadly. If Trump gets a second term, Biden said, then, quote, these hellish events will continue to become more common, more devastating, and more deadly. In other words, we'll have more hurricanes, wildfires, and floods, uh, and they'll be more dangerous if Donald Trump is in office for four years instead of Joe Biden. That's what he's saying. And that was Joe Biden in 2020. Has anyone followed up with him on that pledge now that he's been in office for several years? Has he declared victory over bad weather? Remember, he promised to cure cancer. I think cancer is still around, last I checked. Uh, bad weather. We're still, ha still having bad weather. In fact, he and his allies, like Hillary Clinton, are actually telling us that the weather has only gotten worse. That's what they are telling us. He promised in 2020 that if Trump is not voted into office, then the weather will get better. It's, it's going to get worse if Trump is voted into office, which would lead us to believe that if he's not, the weather will get better. Now they're telling us that the weather is only getting worse, which means I guess we can blame Joe Biden for that. Every wildfire, every hurricane is Joe Biden's fault. That's the precedent they've set. Oh, no. Now they say, well, the only way to keep the weather from continuing to get worse is to keep voting for them. This is the scam. And of course, none of it is remotely true. Here's the data on global annual deaths from natural disasters, including wildfires, volcanoes, extreme temperatures, droughts, earthquakes, floods. Uh, it covers the 1990s all the way to the 2010s. And uh, if you look at a chart, you can notice how, how things are much safer now by every me metric, in fact. But you never hear about this. Instead, you're told that natural disasters are getting more common and more deadly. Currently, they're reporting that the fires in Canada are historic. They said the same thing about the California uh, fires a, a few years ago. In fact, every time there's a wildfire now, it seems like it's historic. This has never happened before. The world has never seen anything like this. The truth is that wildfires used to be in order of magnitude worse than they are now. Ever hear about the, uh, the great Midwest wildfires of 1871? Probably not. Somehow it's never mentioned. And that's strange because according to the National Weather Service, it was the deadliest series of wildfires in American history. Those fires killed thousands of people, destroyed millions of acres. 
How did that happen? How did it happen more than a, a century before the rise of the MAGA Republicans who are causing all of this? Are MAGA Republicans able to control the weather in the past too? How far does their sorcery reach? I guess we'll have to ask Hillary Clinton about that. But let's be charitable for a second. Let's assume, for the sake of argument, that none of these outlets and politicians are lying. Let's pretend that we are in a climate emergency and everybody's about to burn up and die. Okay, let's just pretend that for a moment. Well, if that's the case, you'd think Hillary Clinton would be tweeting nonstop about China. You'd think that Joe Biden would be imposing sanctions. China's carbon emissions are more than double America's. In fact, China emits more carbon than every developed nation on the planet combined. Have they done anything to curb these emissions that are killing everybody? I mean, this is an act of war. If carbon emissions are causing wildfires and hurricanes in the United States, then this is like an act of war by China against the United States. So what is Joe Biden doing about it? I mean, China is building the equivalent of two large coal plants every week. This year, China's carbon emissions have already set a new record. But Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden don't seem concerned. Instead, they're demanding that you give up your gas stove and vote for them or else. They leave China alone in the meantime. Now, we've seen this before. Remember when uh, the left went on a campaign against plastic straws a few years ago, and they were warning that our plastic straws are polluting the ocean and killing the sea turtles? And that's the whole reason why when you go somewhere now, you get those flimsy paper straws that uh, dissolve in your soda the moment you try to use them. Well, that's a sacrifice we got to make to keep the sea turtles healthy. Well, what they refuse to mention is that many Asian countries dump their trash directly into their rivers, sending millions of tons of garbage, straws included, floating out into the ocean in a giant conveyor belt-like system every year. Now we're seeing the same pattern play out with carbon emissions. Except in this case, our leaders, uh, our leaders are the ones who enabled China's rise of the, as the world's largest polluter. 20 years ago, Bill Clinton approved the U.S.-China trade agreement and uh, China's entrance into the World Trade Organization. He said that more trade with China would benefit Americans. He promised that it would not crush the U.S. manufacturing sector. Quite the opposite. Quote, we'll be able to export products without exporting jobs, he promised. And how has that worked out exactly? But they refuse to take any responsibility for their role in creating the single greatest polluter on the planet. Someone who, by their logic and by their argument, is, is killing the planet and all of us. The Clintons and the rest of their party have, to dis- have displayed no self-reflection or regret whatsoever about what they did. That's because they don't regret it. They don't care about carbon emissions. And you know what? They don't really think that MAGA Republicans, whoever those are, are actively making it hot in the summer. At least the leftists in charge don't buy that stuff. It's all fake. Okay, they care about power to the point that Hillary Clinton is now babbling like an Aztec shaman. Except the Aztec shaman would at least acknowledge that he's practicing religion, not science. We are ruled by people who can't tell the difference. Now let's get to our five headlines. As many of you know, I wasn't super thrilled when my family got a dog, but uh, they're obsessed with the thing, which is why, despite my own distaste for the mangy beast, I love making my family happy 
Part of doing that is keeping this freeloader as healthy as possible, which is why I give my dog Rough Greens. Dr. Dennis Black, the founder of Rough Greens, is focused on improving the health of every dog in America. Little did I know before I got Rough Greens, dog food is dead food. Everybody knows that nutrition isn't brown, it's green. Let Rough Green boost your dog's food back to life. Rough Greens is a supplement that uh, contains all the necessary vitamins, minerals, probiotics, omega oils, digestive enzymes, and antioxidants that your dog needs. You don't have to go out and buy new dog food. You just sprinkle Rough Greens on their food every day. Dog owners everywhere are raving about Rough Greens. It supports healthy joints, improves bad breath, boosts energy levels, and so much more. We are, we are what we eat, and that goes for our dogs, too. Dr. Dennis Black is so confident Rough Greens will improve your dog's health. He's offering my listeners a free Jumpstart trial bag so your dog can try it. A free Jumpstart trial bag can be at uh, your door in just a few business days. Go to freeroughgreens.com slash Walsh or call 844-ROUGH-700. That's free, R-U-F-F, greens.com slash Walsh or call 844-ROUGH-700 today. We begin five headlines exactly where you expected us to begin with the UFO hearings on Capitol Hill. The historic hearings, actually historic. In this case, they really are historic. Daily Wire reports lawmakers held an explosive hearing on Wednesday on the topic of UFOs and things got, well, weird. Appearing before the House Oversight Committee's National Security Subcommittee was David Grush, a former intelligence officer, along with two fighter pilots with firsthand unidentified aerial phenomenon experiences. Grush was the star, revealing an alleged top-secret multi-decade crash retrieval and reverse engineering program, only to be denied access and accusing the military of misappropriating funds. Grush dropped a bombshell about aircraft with non-human origins, complete with biologics recovered from these mysterious crafts. Um, Lawmakers from both sides of the aisle are now scratching their heads, wondering how in the world or beyond it they should proceed with these astonishing claims. Um, Well, we have, uh, rather than reading the article, I suppose, we have some of these clips. And I mean, I prefer to play the whole hearing. It'd be worth our time, but I can't really do that. So I have to boil this down to like two or three moments that I think are the most important So we'll start here with Representative Nancy Mace questioning uh, Mr. Grush. And here's how that went. Watch. Do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? Something I can't discuss in public setting. Um, Okay, I can't ask when you think this occurred. (laughs) If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was non-human. the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. Now, we're going to talk about that, but I want to play uh, all these clips before we talk. So. Here we have uh, witnesses talking about the technology and capabilities of the UFOs. And by the way, again, these are people who personally witnessed some of these uh, crafts. And not only witnessed it, but we also have video of what they witnessed. This is a fair amount of evidence. Uh, But here's what they say. They move essentially um, ways in which current technology or aircraft that we know of are unable to actually function or move. And so will you just, for the public record, again, once, once again, um, just uh, briefly uh, just either describe or note that aircraft that are being witnessed, particularly by the 30 folks that you're working with, are essentially outside the scope of anything that we know of today and the technology we have today. Mr. Graves, Mr. Fravor. Yes, uh, the objects that are being seen by commercial pilots are uh, performing maneuvers that 
are unexplainable due to our current understanding of our technology and our capabilities as a country, and that applies for the military as well. Mr. 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 Ferrer? Yeah, I concur with that. We have nothing that can stop in midair and go the other direction, nor do we have anything that can, like in our situation, come down from space, hang out for three hours, and go back up. Thank you. My last question, and, so, and sometimes you, I know that some, you have also said some of these answers in the past, but we're trying to get them on the public record as well, which is really important. Mr. Gresh, finally, do you believe that our government is in possession of UAPs? Uh, absolutely, based on interviewing uh, over 40 witnesses over four years. And, and, and where? I know the exact locations. Okay, so these are so one thing we hear the the uh, people who want to dis, dismiss what Grush is saying they'll they'll claim well he didn't witness any of this but of course if he said he witnessed it the same people will say well we don't trust him I don't believe so like no matter what he said it wouldn't make a difference to them uh, what you do have flanking him though on either side are people who did witness some things and it's not like the, those who are skeptical of Grush and say he did witness it it's not like they are listening to the other two and saying well I believe them so again. If you're starting from the position that all of this is somehow impossible or you refuse to believe it, then there is nothing anyone could ever say, and there is no evidence anyone could ever present that you would find compelling. And there are a lot of people in that camp, and if you're in that camp, at least admit it. At least admit that it's just, rather than saying, I don't try the evidence, it's not enough evidence. No, <laughs> there is no evidence that you would find compelling, because in this case, we have we have videos, we have eyewitness testimony, we have, we have um, you know, uh, and, and it's eyewitness testimony from all kinds of different people, right? Ec actual expert eyewitness testimony. By expert, I don't mean expert in the sense that we hear trust the experts, but experts as in Navy pilots who understand how aircraft work. And they it's their whole job to go up and identify um, things that are happening in the sky and potential threats and all that. So like actual experts in that sense. We have those kinds of witnesses. We have lots of normal people who've seen things. So when you've got video, when you've got eyewitness testimony, um, that's it's evidence. And there's a lot of both of those things. Finally, have there been any uh, non-human technologies or, or you know, uh, uh, interactions that have caused harm to humans? That was a question that was asked. And let's, let's hear. So there has been activity by by alien or non-human non technology and or beings that has caused harm to humans? Uh, I can't get into the specifics in a, an open environment, but at least the activity that I personally witnessed, and I have to be very careful here, because uh, you don't, you know, they tell you never to acknowledge tradecraft, right? So what I personally witnessed myself and my wife was very disturbing. Okay, now I want to, a few things here. First, if you cannot at least appreciate the fact that we're having this congressional hearing about non-human technology in the sky, then I don't know what to say. You know, there were a bunch of people on social media yesterday that I saw that were, they were saying this is all boring. It's boring. I'm so bored. My God, you dull nitwits. Really, this subject is boring? I've seen the subjects that you people find interesting, okay? I've seen the kinds of things that, that, that you people talk about for days on end, and this is boring to you? Compared to all the other things that are discussed on social media every day, this is what you find boring? You've got these right-wing pundits, I've seen plenty of them, who go on for days and days about the same damn thing, repeating the same talking points over and over again. Just an insatiable appetite for the most boring, mundane dreary, useless conversation, and yet a congressional hearing where a witness testifies to the existence of non-human technology is 
boring. Even if you think it's all fake, by the way, you could if, if you think it's all fake, it's still not boring. Like it's interesting. Okay. It's either way, this is easily the most interesting thing that's happened in Washington, DC, maybe since ever. So if what they're testifying to is true, that's fascinating. If this is all some kind of insane, elaborate ruse, that's also fascinating um, and certainly worth talking about. So the it's boring stuff, it blows my mind. I don't, I just don't get it. I really don't. Okay, so then that raises the question of whether or not this is all fake. Like, it, it, And if it is, then why? And don't tell me it's a distraction technique. Don't tell me that. I've already addressed that many times, okay? Uh, you know what I'm going to say. The claim that all this is one big distraction, it's one big um, diversion, is simply nonsensical because, first of all, it, it does not distract. Nobody cares. They should, but they don't. So it is, it is, not, a, it, it is not a successful distraction technique. Why would they keep doing it to distract when it is actually not distracting anybody? Okay, this UFO hearing happened it was trending sort of for a few hours on Twitter and then it went away and no one talked about it anymore. So, and you're saying this is, they're doing all of this. This is one giant conspiracy to distract us. And what, the people that are doing, they don't notice that it's not working and they keep doing it? Second, as I've said many times, they don't need to make up aliens to distract us. We are already distracted. We already ignore most of the most important things happening in the world. We already move on from things at the speed of light. Uh, We have the attention spans of plankton already. And third, if the government would use aliens to distract us, why did they deny all of this for decades? There was plenty that they would have wanted to distract us from in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s and 2010s. And yet they denied, 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 denied. And, and, and then just out of nowhere, they decided to start uh, distracting us with this. Even though it's not distracting. But it should. That brings me to my next point, which is that if your skepticism of government is informing your view on this stuff, which I understand then that should cause you to take the UFO subject more seriously, not less. The government has officially denied all of this forever, and they still do. These are whistleblowers who are coming out, okay? These these are, um, and it's only a few of them. The predominant government narrative since forever and still now is that there are no UFOs. We don't need to think about it. Nothing to see here. This is what the government has always said about all of this. And this is still basically their, their response. They, they've, they've obliquely acknowledged a little bit of this now only because they're forced to. Um, and we've seen, you know, recent history has shown us many examples of things that were dismissed as conspiracy, conspiracy theories and crazy and not even worth thinking about. Um, and then they turn out to be true. And then the same government officials who denied all of it will turn around and say, oh, you know, maybe there's some truth to that. I don't know. It's not because the government decided to start being honest, but because their, their hand was forced. Because the truth came out and they had no choice but to, they couldn't keep just flat out denying it. So you could say, well, this is a big, a big distraction. It's not distracting us at all, but that's what it is. Uh, so that could be your theory. Another theory is that 
you know, a theory to explain why did they deny, 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 and now, you know, we're, we're getting hearings about it. Another explanation is that they denied and denied and denied forever because they could, because we didn't have the internet, and there was really no way if somebody saw something, uh, there was no way to prove it. You know, it was, it was also for, for, for many decades while this was going on, people weren't carrying cell phones around in their pockets and that sort of thing. Um, but now with modern technology and modern communication, uh, we can start seeing things and spreading information in a way that we couldn't before. And so now they have no choice but to like at least pretend to acknowledge some of this. I mean, that's another way of explaining um, the contrast and how these issues have been handled now versus then. So what does all this mean? It means, first of all, this is interesting. And, I, and if, you're, if you don't find it interesting, you should. You're just wrong. You're wrong to not find it interesting. It's like objectively wrong. And uh, what, is it, what, is it, what does it actually mean? Like what, what are the origins of these, uh, these things that are in the sky? I, I don't know exactly. But there, there is enough evidence at a minimum to say that like something is going on, okay? Um, these crafts that are in the sky that can do things that to us seem impossible, that defy the laws of physics, like traveling at many hundreds of miles of an hour and then stopping on a dime in the middle of the air and changing direction, that sort of thing. Um, that is happening. There are things in the sky that are doing all of that. And what that means is that someone possesses that technology. And if you don't even want to consider the possibility that it could be otherworldly, then you're left with, there are governments on earth that have technology that defies the laws of physics as we understand it and are, and are eons ahead of us in their technological uh, capabilities, which is also interesting if that's the case. It's not boring, certainly not, and, and something we should think about. All right, Axios has this. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell appeared suddenly unable to speak during a press conference on Wednesday and was briefly led away by concerned GOP colleagues after he was unable to complete his opening remarks. Remarks. Um, we have this moment here. So he got up and he started to speak about whatever, it doesn't matter. And then this, let's play the clip. Partisan cooperation and a string of Do you want to say anything else to the press? Let's go back to you. Go ahead, John. Uh, Mitch McConnell is, I think he's 80 years old or 81 years old. <laughs> Not even that old by our political standards today. You know, he's uh, he's like a teenager by our, by our political standards. Um. Uh, this is so embarrassing. I, I am so tired of this. Okay, I really am. We are being led by ancient, crumbling, senile dinosaurs. And can we stop this already? It is humiliating uh, and terrifying, terrifying to think that the people in charge of the country are not e- They can't even speak. 
this this generation, okay, McConnell generation, y- you need to step down. You had your time. You're done. It's over. You're human beings. You're not going to live forever. Uh, and you're too old now. Retire. And and move on. This is the way of the world. It's just like these people have been in power for decades, and they won't let go. They can't. I don't even understand the mentality. Well, I do understand. I say that rhetorically. But the mentality of someone who's 80 years old and you've been in political office for 50 years, right? And you got plenty of money because you've been profiting off of your political uh, uh, position that entire time. You just go, go relax. Go back to your nice, you got a bunch of homes, go back to one of them and sit on a porch in a rocking chair and relax. Why would you not want to do that? You really want to be doing this until you keel over and die holding press conferences and yeah, they do because they can't, these people can't even imagine, they can't imagine a life their whole lives have been the pursuit of power, having power, everything in DC defines who they are. They're not even like, they're barely people anymore. Uh, because a person, a, a human, would have the desire at a certain point to rest and relax and you know be with your grandkids and that sort of thing. Um, take up a hobby. I don't know. You've got a few years left. Use it on something else. That's what a normal human wants to do. But these are not normal people. There's, there's nothing left inside them because, of, because they've been in this environment for so long. And they can't let go. But they have to let people who are at least physically capable take over. And I know you could say, well, the younger generation, we can't let them take over. Look how terrible they are. Well, number one, they're going to take over eventually. Because, again, you're not going to live forever. Like, you're dying off right now. So you can't stop it. And second, like, also this same generation in terms of their their performance as political leaders has been terrible. It would hard, it would be it would be hard to do a worse job. So it's not even like we can look at these people and say, well, I mean, they've been phenomenal leaders this entire time, and uh, so if you know, let's keep them around for as long as we can because they've been so great. No, you have overseen the bankrupt. You've bankrupted the country. You've weakened America in almost every sense. You've overseen the political and cultural decay of the country. You've ruined everything. Everything is worse now because of you people. That's the reality, sorry to say. So, just leave. I mean, there, there, honestly, there is no good reason why anyone over the age of 75 should be in a position of political power in this country. It, it's, there's no reason for it. Um, we, gotta, we, have to, we have to restore some sanity on this issue. And I, I've been saying this for so long, I, you know, there, there needs to be age limits on all of these offices, really. There are already age limits for most political offices, especially on the federal level. But the, the age limits we have now are on the younger end. So it's a minimum. There's a minimum age limit. So we do recognize. So at least on the minimum end, we recognize that age exists, that it's not just a number. Like it exists. It's a real thing. It means something. And um, we recognize that on the, the lower end. So we say, well, you know, it's. We can't have like a 17-year-old become a senator. Um, We recognize that there, that there should be a minimum, that it is possible to be too young for political office. 
But yet we don't recognize it on the, on, on, the, uh, on the maximum end. We don't recognize it on the other end. So it's possible to be too young for political office, but it's impossible to be too old. But we know it's not impossible to be too old. We're looking, we have a president right now who's clearly too old. And everyone knows it. What else we got here? This is from uh, The Guardian. And it reports about the rise of political violence in the United States. The June federal indictment of Donald Trump is radicalizing support for the use of force on behalf of the former president and current presidential candidate, according to the author of a recent survey about threats to democracy. Meanwhile, on the other side of the aisle, support for violence to restore the federal right to an abortion has also increased over the last few months, researchers found, although there's little indication that any organized group supports acting on this belief. Okay, well, there are literally organized groups currently acting on that belief. So they are telling us that, yeah, people on... uh, on the left, uh, many of them support using violence to restore uh, a right to an abortion. But there's no organized effort to actually do it. What are you talking about? There are actual Jane's Revenge. Like, there are actual groups who are currently using violence and admitting it. All of these uh, pro-life pregnancy centers have not burst into flames on their own, despite what the media may want you to believe. There is an organized, concerted effort to use violence and terrorism by pro-abortion people uh, in order to restore their right to kill babies. That is an actual thing that's happening. So, of course, this this article doesn't acknowledge that. And this article also attempts to pin all of this on uh, on conservatives, which is what we expect, but that's not really my point. I'll read a little bit more. We know all this is biased and all that, but that's not the point. Um, The Dangerous to Democracy report indicates that a growing number of Americans support the use of political violence as the 2024 presidential campaign heats up and further indictments of Trump are probably imminent. The indictment is radicalizing support for Trump, but that's not the only source of radicalization, said Roger T- Rod- uh, Robert Pape, a University of Chicago professor who led the research. You're seeing growing anger and radicalization on the left as well. The number of Americans who believe that the use of force is justified to restore Trump to the White House increased by roughly 6 million in the last few months to an estimated 18 million people. Of those 18 million, 68% believe that the 2020 election was stolen from Trump. 62% believe the prosecutions of Trump are intended to hurt his chances in 2024. So that 62%, those are just like the people who are correct. Those are just the, those are the people with a couple of brain cells in their heads. Like that's obviously what's happening. Uh, an estimated 7% of Americans now believe violence could be necessary to restore Trump to the presidency up from 4.5 million or 12 million people, so on and so forth. So they're trying to pin all this on the right, obviously, even though nearly all of the political violence in this country happens on the left, Antifa, BLM, trans activists, Nearly all of it is on the left. They want us to ignore that. They want us to ignore um, the fact that, uh, you know, there was an organized movement to torch our cities across the country. This is only a couple of years ago, and it was BLM doing that, not, not, uh, not right-wing Republicans. Um, but putting all that aside, when we hear about, well, there are Americans who support political violence, and we're supposed to be horrified by that. It's a sign, you know, a sign as a danger, a danger to democracy is how they phrase it. So this is part of the danger to democracy report. But what you're actually seeing is just the way the world has always worked. And we have tried to hide ourselves from it and pretend that we're exempt somehow for so many years, but we're not. This is just the way the world works. Political violence, both actual political violence and the, the, the support for theoretical political violence, has been, that's, that's been part of human society ever since there's been any kind of political system anywhere. 
And that's especially true in this country. And this is always why it's, it's incredibly ironic when people lament um, the idea of political violence across the board, you know, in principle. Our country was born in political violence. That's how our country exists. Okay, this country was born in an act of violent rebellion. Uh, and yeah, it happened a long time ago, but it happened. And that's the only reason why the United States currently exists in whatever form it exists. So, yeah, what that tells us is that not only is political violence just the way of the world, but it's it's the way it's the way that America became a country to begin with. So, the problem is not violence itself, you know, whether we're talking about political violence or any other kind of violence. Um, it, the problem is never just violence. Uh, in fact, I re- there was a, a National Review, of course, article, and I'm trying to remember the exact headline. I don't have it in front of me, but it was a National Review article about Jason, Jason Aldean, and uh, it was scolding him for his, uh, his song, which supposedly uh, encourages violence. But the, the headline was something like, um, well, Jason Aldean, we need, we need virtue, not violence. In America, that was it was words to that effect was the headline. As if those are two separate things, right? As if we have to choose between the two. Well, no, Jason, I'll do. We don't. We don't want to encourage violence. We want to encourage virtue. Well, I agree that we want to encourage virtue, but there is such a thing as virtuous violence. Those two things are not. Those are those are not mutually exclusive ideas. And the Jason Aldean song, if it promotes violence in any way at all, it is promoting virtuous violence. It is specifically talking about people defending the innocent. Like, hey, don't come here and try to beat up an old lady. You're not going to like what happens to you. What he's saying is, if you beat up an old lady, we are going to defend that old lady by turning the violence back around on you. Violence in defense of the innocent is virtuous. It is good. Violence um, in in self-defense is virtuous. It is good. So, Lamenting violence has never made any sense. The idea that all forms of violence, just the very fact that you are physically exerting yourself against another person and causing harm to them, the idea that that is always wrong no matter what is absurd. And it always has been. And I think that's part of what's going on. People are starting to see that. You know, living in our kind of our, our nice modern Western bubble for so long, we've, we, these are the stories that we've told ourselves, like raising your kids, as a, as a lot of parents uh, did, you know, I, I, even especially in the 90s, you know, it's, it, it's a, you know, zero, zero tolerance for fighting, parents raising their kids and say, well, you never get in a fight. You know? If anyone punches you, you, you just run around, run, run, run away and tell the teacher, be the bigger man, be the bigger man by running away. Uh, which, of course, that's not the bigger man. That's being a coward. It's the opposite of being bigger. Being, being big is to stand up and defend yourself, even if you're afraid that you might get hurt in the process. It takes courage to do it. But this is how a lot of Americans were raised and with this idea that, well, you know, violence is always bad. It's never okay. And it's possible to live in a place where there's no violence at all. This is all, always a utopian, absurd, naive idea. People are starting to see that. And so what we need to start talking about is rather than, like, get a, so we've, we're getting away now. We're starting to understand reality, that violence is the way of the world. It always has been. Um, so now we need to start talking about 
what, what are the correct and virtuous contexts for violence? When is it, it is justified to use violence in plenty of contexts, but what are those contexts? That's the conversation that we should be having. Let's get to the comment section. Grand Canyon University is an affordable private Christian university located in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, praised for its culture of community giving and impact. Grand Canyon University integrates the free market system into their education, welcoming Christian worldview perspectives into over 320 academic programs with more than 260 of those programs online. Grand Canyon University's online programs are designed to make earning your degree easy and accessible no matter your age or stage in life. So why wait? If you're ready to take your education to the next level, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. That's gcu.edu. Tuscadana says, instead of teaching woke nonsense in schools, it would behoove America to teach manners, etiquette, and law. Totally agree. And that's, you know, we, we often say that all we want from the schools is just teaching the ABCs and one, two, threes. And I've said that myself. You know, if you're going to send, we have to have public school system. If you're going to send your public school, kids to public school, that's, that's all that they should be doing. Uh, but that's really only because the schools can't be trusted with anything else. And as we've seen, they can't, be, they can't even be trusted with the ABCs and one, two, threes. But they certainly can't be trusted beyond that. But it, ideally, in an education system, uh, the education would go beyond the ABCs and 123s. It would go beyond just these simple kind of basic academic subjects. And you would get into teaching kids how to be good people, how to be productive members of society. Ideally, that should be part of education. One of the advantages of homeschooling is that it is, it is part of it. You can, you can fold that into their education um, and teaching things like manners and etiquette. Uh, they used to teach those things in school. The fact that they don't anymore is, is becoming, you know, it's, it, that's quite evident. Nathan says, the mind-boggling thing is that people like her, uh, we're talking about the sassy trucker now who got arrested in uh, Dubai for being sassy. People like her who take our American privileges for granted are usually the same ones complaining about our wonderful country. What would it take to get all those people to just move out of the USA? I'm sure everyone, including them, would be happier. Well, it's not mind-boggling at all, is it, Nathan? The people who take... Um, American privileges for granted are the ones complaining, you know, complaining about the country. That that is not mind-boggling. That's not even ironic. That's of course they they take it for granted, and so they complain. Their complaints are grounded in the fact that they're taking all of the uh, privileges in their lives for granted. And taking it for granted means that they just assume, like, well, yeah, of course I get that. It doesn't mean anything. Of course I should have that. Of course, of course I have all these things. I want more. Um, let's see. Wesley says perhaps BLM could go to Dubai to protest. I, I would like to see that. That'd be an interesting, you know, yeah. As, as we often pointed out during the BLM, uh, riots a few years ago, um, yeah, if they were to go, you know, there, there are other places in the world that, um, certainly don't have the same ideas of equality as we do here, but you're not going to see them going to those places to protest, of course. Uh, Yoda says, rude behavior in public, yelling or swearing at other people is punishable by law in Dubai, and we like it that way. Keeps sassy, entitled pricks in check. Yeah, and I know that as an American, right, I'm supposed to go, oh, those laws in the Middle East, places like Dubai, they're oppressive. They should have more freedom. People should have the freedom to be uh, jerks in public. I know I'm supposed to say that, 
But that's just not my view. Because look, if you are not starting from the presupposition that we have an inherent right to basically just do whatever we want all the time, then if you're not starting from that presupposition, and other cultures, other countries, they don't, they don't, they don't start from that presupposition. Well, then it makes a lot of sense to outlaw people from acting like obnoxious a-holes in public. The only reason to not outlaw that behavior is if you assume philosophically that there's some kind of inherent human entitlement to be a jerk if you want to be. But I don't think that entitlement actually exists. And I think some countries decide to make room for that and others don't. And I totally understand the ones that don't. And it's like I said yesterday, what we have to confront and, you know, what we have to acknowledge here in America is that um, we talk about our freedoms and how great it is to have all these freedoms and be able to do whatever we want. And then we want to export these ideas overseas. We want to defend freedom overseas. We, we still hear this all the time. But many of these countries that don't have, quote, freedom the way that we perceive it, they look at us and they say, well, what is that freedom doing for you? So we, we, we say, we claim, oh, if you want to be happy and successful and thrive and be prosperous, you have to have the freedom the way that we understand freedom. There's other countries, they look at us and they say, really? Because you guys are happy? You don't seem like it. You're prosperous? Doesn't seem like it. Your cities are falling apart. You've got drug addicts wandering around like zombies, homeless people defecating in the street. Crime is rampant. People walking into stores and just stealing whatever they want without any repercussions at all. Right? You, 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 have, you have mobs of thugs that can band together and burn down police stations and nothing happens to them. That's your, that's your prosperity. That's your happiness. It's like half of you guys are on antidepressants. You claim that you're so happy with your freedom. That's what, that's what other cultures look at us and say. They say, yeah, we just don't buy it. We're not interested in what you're selling. Because it sounds like you're selling a bill of goods to us. And, um, and I can totally understand their perspective, even if most Americans can't. You know, I love anything made with top-of-the-line quality. And for meat, that is Good Ranchers. The only thing missing is a pork box. Well, if you ask for it, they deliver. Good Ranchers has just launched their prime pork, 100% American pork that is steakhouse quality. This new pork box comes with bone-in and boneless pork chops, sausage, smoked brats, and more. Plus, right now, you'll get $30 off with my code Walsh at GoodRanchers.com. On their site, you can exp uh, explore their all-American cuts of prime pork, prime beef, better-than-organic chicken options. If you've tried their beef and chicken before, then you know how amazing it is. You have to try this prime pork at least once. Trust me, they've got genuinely great products and top-tier customer service. So what are you waiting for? Enjoy real meat and real service today with, with uh, Good Ranchers. Visit GoodRanchers.com. Use my code Walsh for $30 off any box. That's promo code Walsh at GoodRanchers.com. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. Also, if you, along with tens of millions of people, watch Netflix's hit show, Making a Murderer, then you are going to love Daily Wire Plus's new exclusive 10-part docuseries with Candace Owens called Convicting a Murderer, which is coming soon. When leftists are confronted with the truth, their only response is a scream in, the, in, in your face or run away. I've personally been confronted with that many times, and so has Candace Owens. So she is unafraid to call out the mob and expose the truth. When Candace found out that key facts may have been omitted in Netflix's series, she set out to uncover the truth behind the notorious Stephen Avery case. And the end result is convicting a murderer. You'll not want to miss it. And right now, there's never been a better time to become a Daily Wire Plus member. Sign up now for convicting a murderer, and you'll receive an early bird discount of 25 
percent off your Daily Wire Plus membership. You also get all their other premium content from Daily Wire Plus, including the greatest lie ever sold. What is a woman? The largest collection of content from Dr. Jordan P. Peterson, including a series on the Book of Exodus. You get all that and much more if you join now at dailywire.com/slash subscribe to become a member and see the truth when it finally comes out. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. If I were to ask you to name the greatest example of political courage in modern American history, I'm sure many possibilities will spring immediately to mind. We are blessed to be led by a collection of the bravest and most inspirational human beings to have ever lived on the planet. I think we all agree with that. Courage is their defining feature. Indeed, if Washington, D.C. is known for anything, it is known as a place of high character and moral fortitude. And so, if you wanted to name the all-time greatest example of courage among our elected officials, you'd have a tough time picking just one, but you might point to the time when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez went to the border and bravely faced down an empty parking lot and wept theatrically while the cameraman she brought with her took pictures. Or you might mention the time when congressional Democrats donned African tribal garb and knelt on one knee in honor of St. George Floyd. Or what about the, the, the time when Onger, uh, Congressman Andy Kim announced that he was donating the blue suit that he wore on January 6th to the Smithsonian so that the day, quote, will never be forgotten. Of course, not all the most valiant, valiant moments have come courtesy of Democrats. Republicans are also famously bold and intrepid. Uh, remember, for example, when some Dr. Seuss books were getting canceled, so Kevin McCarthy recorded a video of himself reading Green Eggs and Ham, even though that wasn't one of the canceled books. These and many other acts of heroism come to mind, but all of them pale in comparison to this. Representative Greg Kassar, a Democrat in Texas, stood in front of the U.S. Capitol this week to protest a law in Texas that supposedly eliminates heat protections and water breaks for workers in the state. Now, we haven't gotten to the really courageous part yet, but first, let's hear a bit of Greg Kassar delivering his brave speech uh, a couple of days ago. Listen. This month, in the hottest month in Texas history and many of our cities, on July 4th, it was the hottest day in recorded world history. Supposed leaders entrusted by us to do right by us, like Governor Greg Abbott, stripped workers right to a water break away. Shame on him. That ain't right. And he does that because it is big corporate interest top priority, and so it is his priority. But what they're not counting on is that they're not going to stop us. They make us think that if we work and we advance forward, that if they shut that down, that they shut us down. And today we're here to show that they will never shut down the movement of workers, the movement of women, the movement of young people, the intergenerational movement. Our hearts and our faith in democracy cannot be stopped. We are joined by people from across the country and I feel an overwhelming sense of hope. I know there's people out there working in 110 degrees today and my sense is it's my job to do out here and do my job. And my sense is it's my job to do out here and do my job. I can only assume that was a Joe Biden quote and a, quite an eloquent one. But Kassar's point is that it's hot outside and people need water breaks. And Greg Abbott's law outlawing water breaks, his law which says that workers cannot have water, is an atrocity. And the media, needless to say, agrees, which is why there have been many headlines calling attention to this travesty. The Guardian reports, quote, Texas governor signs bill rescinding water breaks as deadly heat grips state. NBC News declares backlash brews against Texas law that eliminates mandatory water breaks. Business Insider, Texas construction workers protest after Greg Abbott axed mandated water breaks, calling it the law that kills. 
You get the idea. The only problem with all of this, and it's it's a minor problem, really. I mean, a technicality, is that it's all completely made up. Texas is not eliminating water breaks. There's no law being signed by Abbott that rescinds water breaks or even addresses the issue of water breaks. Okay, Greg Abbott is not some sort of supervillain who's sitting there and he sees that it's hot outside. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take away their water. No more water for any of you. You pansies, you don't need water. No one's allowed to have water. That didn't happen. Okay, the New York Times article on this controversy admits this 10 paragraphs down. It stipulates the law does not address water breaks or other specific ordinances. Instead, it bans action by cities to regulate work conditions that go beyond state law. Texas law does not provide for water breaks, according to the Federal Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Neither does federal law. So, in other words, this is all over a law by the state that was passed by, uh, by, by state legislators that attempts to address inconsistencies in policies and regulations and ensure that local policies don't conflict with state policy. And Texas has decided that this is necessary because progressive blue cities in Texas often attempt to do things and pass ordinances and regulations that directly conflict with state law. But none of this has anything to do with water breaks. The legislation, again, says nothing about water breaks. Democrats simply went looking for the most outrageous possible hypothetical consequence of this action by Abbott, and they came up with this idea that it might mean that construction workers can't drink water. But of course, this law by no means prevents anyone from taking a water break or means that anyone's not going to have it. It does not rescind water breaks or ban them or take them away. There is no evidence that any construction worker in the state anywhere will now be forced to go without water. This is completely made up for the record. But let's not allow that to distract us from the heroism. The fact that none of this is true and it's all completely bogus doesn't mean that we can't be inspired by it, especially considering this detail. Representative Greg Kassar didn't just stand there and protest a law that doesn't exist. He protested the invisible law while not eating or drinking. Kassar, in solidarity with the workers who can all definitely still drink water, decided to go on a thirst and hunger strike. He announced that he would not eat or drink water for as long as possible. He would sit on the steps, he would eat nothing, he would drink nothing for an unspecified amount of time. And that is what this brave man did. Over time, his movement grew. One by one, other elected Democrats showed up and joined the hunger and thirst strike by not eating or drinking for at least the amount of time it took them to give a three-minute speech. Joaquin Castro posted his speech along with a black and white photo trying to make it look like some kind of great historic moment in the fight for civil rights. And it was. Because of all the fictional laws that have ever not existed, the fictional law that doesn't ban construction workers from drinking water is certainly among the worst. And Castro made that clear. Listen. Texas Republicans for years have talked about the Texas miracle. These are the people that built the Texas miracle. The people that when you're driving along in 105 degree weather out on the highway, they're working out on the highway on I-35. The people that are working on top of roofs in San Antonio, in the Rio Grande Valley, in Fort Worth, all over the state. The people that are working in fields, picking crops. They built the Texas miracle, not Greg Abbott. That's right. And I challenge the governor to spend one day, one day without water. One day in the governor's mansion, the air-conditioned governor's mansion, without water. Yes, can the governor go one day without water? Representative Kassar is doing it. Maybe. Well, it was still unclear how long his strike was going to last. But in the meantime, many other Democrats stopped by. Representative Hakeem Jeffries, Representative Sylvia Garcia, 
Representative Pramila Jayapal tweeted her support. She said, thank you, Representative Kassar, for standing up for workers and showing the stunning cruelty of taking away even heat and water breaks. Looking forward to coming to support you and our workers. Yes, it would indeed be stunning cruelty to take away water breaks if anyone had actually done that, which nobody had, but that's not the point. You already know that AOC would not be able to stay away from a stunt like this, and uh, she didn't. So sometime during the course of the afternoon, she showed up briefly, took some pictures, and then tweeted this. We join Representative Kassar and Dolores Huerta at the thirst strike. Texas just passed a law blocking water breaks for construction workers. President Biden can stop it by implementing a heat stress rule. It's time for the president to act. Hashtag workers can't wait. Again, Texas did not pass that law. It doesn't exist. But whatever, do not get sidetracked by the sheer dishonesty of all this. Focus instead on the courage, the unprecedented, undaunted courage. Courage that you cannot help but stand and applaud, especially when you hear this part. Get ready for this. When all was said and done, Kassar's hunger and thirst strike lasted. Get this, almost nine hours. The man went almost nine hours without food or water. He made it roughly the time from an early lunch to a late dinner. He did what nearly everyone in the world does every single night when they sleep. The bravery here is simply impossible to fully comprehend. At the end of this harrowing day, Kassar tweeted, quote, Yesterday was incredible. I was honored to be joined at my thirst strike by workers in Texas and across the nation and by lots of colleagues pushing for federal heat safety protections. Uh, nine hours without water or food, but I'm more energized than ever to get this done. Nine hours, almost nine hours, we'll call it nine hours. Nine hours without water or food. I've never done anything like that in my life, except for every time I skip lunch on a work day, which is like probably two or three times a week. So aside from two or three times a week, I've never done anything like that. I've never done anything like that on the days when I don't do that. We'll put it that way. The point is, Greg Kassar has done the unimaginable. He stopped eating and drinking around 9 a.m., and then he had some water around 5.30 or so and went home. Truly a saga that will be remembered for generations. Along with that tweet, Kassar posted three photos. And one of uh, the photos is him giving his triumphant speech where he decries a law that doesn't exist. And one of the, one of the photos was him walking alongside Bernie Sanders, who at least has the perpetual look of a fatally dehydrated man. And another was of him being attended to by three people while they take his pulse and put an ice pack on his neck because he skipped lunch. This is a picture that he chose to post himself. He wanted everyone to see that. He wanted everyone to see that this is what he looks like after a few hours without food or water. He's like my six-year-old when he, you know, asks for a graham cracker and I tell him that we're not, ha we're not having snacks because we're about to have dinner. And he collapses on the ground and cries out that he'll surely starve. Dramatics very similar to what we're seeing from Greg Kassar, which only tells me that my six-year-old must also be a civil rights hero. But let's not change the subject from Greg Kassar. He certainly doesn't want us to. Greg Kassar, the man who went half a day, well, like a third of a day, maybe, but anyway, without food or water. Greg Kassar, the man who nearly starved himself in protest of a law that doesn't exist. Greg Kassar, the hero who sat on the steps for a few hours without so much as a single LaCroix sparkling water to sustain him. His is a name that will ring down through the generations. His bravery will inspire millions for years to come. They will build statues to remember this man and this pivotal moment in history when everything changed. It'll likely take him 
weeks to recover from the deprivations he suffered through. He may never be the same again. And you know something? That is true for the world too. We have looked upon Greg Kassar and his almost nine hours without water or snacks, and we have been transformed by it. We stand in awe, tears in our eyes, wondering how he did it, but grateful that he did. And that is why Greg Kassar is certainly not canceled. But the other Greg, Greg Abbott, the governor who signed that terrible law that also happens to be imaginary and totally made up, is the one who is today canceled. That'll do it for this portion of the show. So move over to the members block. Hope to see you there. If not, talk to you tomorrow. Godspeed.